Well, as you know, we are going through the book of John, and, uh, and it has been fun. I am loving the devotionals, and uh, Janelle had a great insight for us on the devotionals that, and the people that read that they introduced their name, and I was just curious. Let's just take a poll. How many of you, before people were introducing their names, because we did this before, we're spending most of the time just trying to figure out who was reading or talking instead of paying attention to the scriptures. One, two, no, be honest, I mean, for real. It was a lot. Good job, Janelle. Okay, because I also would do that. It's like halfway through, I'm like, oh, that's who it is. And I was there for it. (laughs) So that was a good move. It is so fun to hear from different people in the family and to hear the different devotionals. Y'all are a bunch of rock stars, and I'm just excited to be extending the kingdom with you. Okay. I'm going to pray, and then if I pray, God's going to answer my prayer, and I'm going to focus, and if I focus, this is going to go well. So let's do it in that order. Lord Jesus, help me to focus and help this to go well. Thank you for your scriptures. I pray that they would go deep into our hearts, that they would become thoughts, words, actions, and bring life and life abundantly in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in John chapter 2. John is giving us a portrait of who Christ is, of how he rolls. He's giving us picture after picture after picture of who this Jesus actually is, the Son of God. And so so let's, let's look at a couple of aspects of who he is and what he has to say so that we can know him. Amen? So on the third day, John chapter 2, verse 1, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, just do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to him, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, And he did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you've kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. Okay, so here's our first picture in, within this chapter. Here's, or I should say it like this. Here's another picture of who Jesus is. He's the one that turned the water into wine. But look at the way that he did this, okay? We're being introduced to Jesus by John. He's saying, look, I want you to know Jesus, the Son of God who's come down. And let me tell you a really important story. If you're going to know who he is, you got to know this story. He turned the water into the wine was his first miracle. But look at the way he did it. 
This Jesus who John is revealing to us was willing to move up his timeline because his mama asked him to. Do you get this? And I I love the interaction, right? Jesus, Jesus, this is a wedding, son. And they're out of wine. And he's like, woman, why are you bringing this to me? And it wasn't like this, woman. No, it was like this, woman, mama. What, what does that have to do with me? You, you know my time hasn't come. But she knows Jesus. And she's like, oh, no, he'll do it for me. <laughs> and he does. You guys, this is important for us to catch. We serve a Jesus who chooses to manifest his glory outside of his own plan sometimes because we, those that he loves, ask him to. And it was pretty simple, by the way, guys. It's not like the wedding would have been ruined if they were out of wine. But it was important to Mary, and it was important to the people at the wedding, and so therefore it became important to Jesus. And he worked it to his glory, and it became his first miracle. I don't know where you're at right now, but I want you to know this. Jesus cares where you're at right now. And Jesus is the kind of God who allows you to say, Lord, I don't know what your plan is right now, but I need you in this situation. And John says he's the kind of Jesus that sometimes moves the timeline up and brings his glory early to include your needs in what he's doing. Somebody say amen. I love too that John points out that the the, uh, master of ceremonies, right, gets up and he says, y'all, This wine is good. This is the best wine. You saved the best wine for last. Why is John doing that? Well, I think John is tapping into the fact that Jesus talks a whole lot about the new wine. He came to bring the new wine. He says, you need new wineskins for the new wine. We'll get into a whole lot more of that later, but John is teeing it up. He's like, you need to understand that Jesus is doing something new. Before this miracle, how many times had we seen water turned into wine? I don't think it's in there. Apparently, mama must have seen Jesus doing some kind of things. It just makes me wonder, doesn't it? Like it's dinner time and she's in there. You know, I mean, Joseph has passed on, so they might have been some poor times, you know, going on at dinner. And so she's like, well, honey, we got, we got bread and we got water. And Jesus is like, no, I think we got bread and I think we got grape juice. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying it's in the Bible. I'm just saying, how did mama know that he would do something about the wine? Okay, but the bride, but the the master of ceremonies says, you have saved the best for last. How many of you guys know we're in the last days? How many of you guys know that we're in the new covenant? How many of you guys know we're in new and better promises? How many of you guys know that Jesus is bringing the new wine of the Holy Spirit? Jesus is doing a new thing. And the writer is saying, he saved the best till last. You guys, we are honored and privileged to be a part of these last days, amen? We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. I mean, he is the kind of God that says a 1,000 years is like a day, and a day is like a 1,000 years to him. So I don't know if it's gonna be a week before he comes and we're on like day two, I don't know. But I know that I'm honored to be a part of the days of the new wine, are you? He's doing new things. Let's continue with the scriptures. 
Here's another snapshot that John gives us of who Jesus is. Here's the next story, right? Jason said we're painting, a, John's painting a picture, this beautiful, this beautiful picture of Jesus. All these facets, the more you look, the more starts to come out. Here's another picture of Jesus. Verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And in the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. Let me give you a little backdrop on what this is. People would come from all over and they had to travel a long distance and you couldn't always be able to bring your oxen with you. So what they would do is they would get there and these guys would sell them what they needed and they also would do an exchange of, of finances just like in the same way when you go to another nation, you got some different kind of finances, the money changers, right? And you have to get, you know, I went to Mexico and I needed to get some pesos. I needed to get a different form of currency. Well, they're doing that. But uh, from what we've seen, they weren't exactly being fair about it. And also they were literally, whether they were fair about it or not, they were doing it in the space that was set apart and holy that God himself had said, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, not a flipping grocery market. Okay? So Jesus, let's just see what he has to say about that. He didn't say flipping. He said stinking. All right, so he sees that going on. They're in the temple selling oxen, sheep and pigeons, and the money changers are sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers, and he overturned their tables, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away, and don't you make my father's house a house of trade. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. You imagine coming home to your house, and you've been gone for a while, and you show up, and there's a bunch of people on your porch running a business for the people that are coming into your house, because that's what Jesus was dealing with. And he's like, I'm not okay with this. You, you guys think this is okay? You think this is cute? You think this doesn't matter? You think the father isn't holy? You think this is a good opportunity to make money? You're gonna use people's desire to love me as an opportunity to make money right now? I'm the one that gave you the ability to work and make a profit, but I didn't say to do it right here in my house, in my father's house. Jesus got hot. Are you with me? And John, he thinks we should know about that. That zeal for the Lord's house, for the honor and respect and awe of God was in Christ's heart. And he's like, this is not what I came here to be a part of. So he cleaned that out. So they asked him, the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you're gonna raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. And when therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had said. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and he needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. Now I just want to point out here 
that Jesus tells them, this is not what my father's about. This is not okay. I want you to walk in holiness and reverence and awe. And he did something about that. And when they asked him about what authority he was doing it with, he said, and this is an amazing part, right? He says, I want you to honor my father. I don't want you to disrespect who he is and his holiness. And then he says, tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. He's actually giving a wink that he is the new temple. And he's going to create a whole new, better thing. So again, we're seeing the new things. But he says, here's my authority. He says it in code. We know it now, right? We have the joy of looking backwards. But he says it in code. Tear down this temple. I will rebuild it in three days. And how many of you guys are glad that happened? Come on. He came. He rose again. And John is speaking to that. Here's our last snapshot. I'm going to spend a little more time on this one. John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. You guys, you guys enjoying this? Good, because I am. And I'm having enough fun for all of us. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. And so it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Can you imagine being Nicodemus? He's like, you gotta be born again. And then Jesus is like, let me answer your question by making this even harder to comprehend. <laughs> Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus, you're telling me I have to be born again, and, and then what's born of flesh, born of the flesh, born of the spirit, born of the spirit. Jesus, truly, and he wasn't being flippant. He's literally saying, I mean, he came. He said, I think you're from God. How, how, how does this work? How can this be? I can't picture this. I can't see this. And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know. We're bearing witness of what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven except for he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses was lifted up, as he, I'm sorry, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It's amazing to think of that, right? Jesus, I wonder if he did that. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. I don't know. He must have been having some fun, right? Just dropping hints all the time, knowing they weren't going to get it till afterwards. Whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Here's the famous one, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him 
should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Let me tell you a story. Those who are doing wicked deeds don't want to come into the light. But those who are of God come into the light so that it can show that what they're doing is being done in God. We must be born again. We must become new. How many of you guys know that we need to submit to the newness of being born again? See, when you're born again, you're not born again with all your old stuff and you just drag it in. No, there's something new happening. He tells Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. He's like, I don't see it. He's like, I know. <laughs> you got to be born again. Let me share a story. Before I was married to Karen, I flirted with everyone. My mom used to say, Joshua, you are like a little kid jumping in mud puddles. And you just got to jump in every single mud puddle. And she was talking about how I flirted with girls. And I said, well, there are just so many mud puddles. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful mud puddles. I was a flirt. And after I started, I was the flirtiest flirt that ever flirted. I, I was good at it. I was charming and funny and even better looking than I am now. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm not as arrogant as I sound. I'm confident. You know, confidence looks like arrogance to people that feel insecure. Lord, I just pray that these guys would just stop feeling so insecure, Lord. Just bless them. All right. <laughs> you guys want to operate in some forgiveness? I can give you a minute if you need to forgive me. We were practicing earlier just to tee up for this moment. Okay. After I started Day and Karen, I was seriously so in love with this girl. I could not even imagine being with anyone else. I knew I was in love with Karen in three days. I kid you not. I accidentally told her in two weeks. I, I did. Because I was 17. I'm like, no idiot is going to say I love you after two weeks. That's just dumb. And then we were flirting back and forth because I'm a flirt. And then she's like, oh, you hate me. And I was like, no, I love you. And I'm like, oh. And so I was all quiet in the car. I'm like, oh. And she's like, why would you get so quiet? And I was like, didn't you hear what I said? And she's like, no. What would you say? Lies. She did hear me, and she just wanted to hear it again. So then I was like, so then I bare my soul. All right, just reach your hands out to me. I'm still, still healing from this wound. I was like, I just said I loved you. She's like, oh, I wish I could say it back to you. Yeah, we're still in counseling. All right, so... <laughs> So all I'm saying is that I'm in love with this woman. I am ridiculously, overtly, unapologetically over the top 
in love with Karen. However, I still flirted with everyone. Because, yeah, I like that. Boo, who was that? <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Jeez. Good for you, though. Good for you. I like that. Okay. Because my entire world of social interactions was intertwined with flirting, I just naturally charmed and flattered everyone as a, as a default setting. Do you understand? Like, until I met Karen, I was looking for her, and I put out some fine bait. And I was charming about it. And, if you, and it was, are you the one? Tell me, tell me, beautiful, are you the one, right? It, it used to work. So, but when I finally found the one, I didn't turn off the flirting. So one day when Karen and I were out on a date, she asked me if I would mind just dating her when we're on a date, as opposed to charming and flattering everyone we met. It was embarrassing. I just honestly had never seen it that way. I, I hadn't. I, I'd never seen relationship that way because I hadn't been in that relationship before. I was being invited into something better than what I had before. This was exclusive. Do you see what I'm seeing? See what I'm saying here? Karen was letting me know that I get to come into the light of this relationship and examine my old way of doing things. Was what I'm doing, was it being done to help our relationship or was it going to threaten it? Was it being done in love or was it part of my old life? See, this is very similar to what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus in the book of John. If you're born again, you will do things differently because you are born into a kingdom of light and everything we do is now in the light. Being born again is becoming new. It's embracing a new way of living. We're, 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 it's a new way of seeing. It's a new way of thinking. We can't drag our old life and perspectives along with us. It's not going to work. We're not going to be able to just integrate our old flirty flirt ways into this new life. Are you with me? Jesus has made new wine. And it is way better than the first wine. He's, he's given us a new life and it's better than the old life. We have to see differently. Do you remember those posters where you look at the poster and it just looks like a bunch of patterns? Are you guys with me? And if you folk, are, how many of you know what I'm talking about, right? A bunch of patterns, okay, thank you. Because you're so quiet, I'm like, oh no, I'm so old. Has anybody ever been to a fair? Does anybody remember when they printed things on paper? Okay, we're okay, okay. So there's these posters, and they've just got like these designs and patterns all over it. And you look at it, it just looks like a really cool like piece of wallpaper or something, all right? But if you start adjusting your sight, right, you're looking at this poster, and all your friends are there, and they're like, you just got to look at it a different way, and you just, you got to let it, and then hold, look sideways, move your head back, and you're just like about ready to murder some people. But all of a sudden, you adjust it, and boom, something jumps like a lion jumps right out of the middle of the poster, 3D-like. Are you with me? You're just like, I see it. I see it. I see the lion. Right in the middle of the page, and it's, there it is. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. That's like the kingdom. You have to adjust your vision from the old way of seeing things and let the lion emerge. Once you've seen it, you don't try to go back and just see a bunch of random patterns on a page. Does anybody do that? Maybe there's something else there. 
No, you look for the lion. And in our case, this lion is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Are you guys alive? Come on. He's come and he's giving us a new life in his kingdom. But he is very exclusive in the way he calls us. He doesn't want us flirting with anything else or anyone else in the world. He wants us. He's inviting us into the light with him. We're called to a new way of life. We're born again. We see the lion. We see the kingdom. And we start living in the light. Are you guys with me? Let's cast off our old life, our old way of thinking. And let's keep learning from him. Let's keep looking at him. He's showing us new things. The new wine is better than the old wine, guys. The light is better than the darkness. We don't flirt with the devil and the spirit of the world anymore. Are you with me? We're no longer allowed to be cynical. Say out your amen. We're no longer allowed to be anxious. That's old thinking. That's, that's just the world. The whole world's anxious. We're no longer feeding our addictions and charming our friends into violating their boundaries for our desires. We aren't meditating on negatives. We're not allowed to do that. We don't do that anymore. We aren't walking in unforgiveness. We aren't justifying grudges. We're no longer getting drunk. We don't give ourselves over to sexual compromise anymore. Why? Because the lion has emerged and we are in his kingdom and we do things in the light. We live in the light because it's a kingdom of light and we want what we do to be done in Jesus. Did you catch that? Those that love the light come into the light because we want our lives to show that it's Jesus that's doing it. But here's the thing, guys. The invitation is to come into the light as he is in the light. We don't do these right things so we can justify ourselves to God and to others. Do you get this? Yeah, we're not doing this to be like, look at how amazing I am. Isn't that great? You should follow Jesus. No, that's disgusting, right? And we all know it's not true anyway. We're like, aren't I amazing? Like, don't look back here. I'm not wearing clothes, but up here, doesn't this look good? We do the right things because that's what he is doing. And we want to be with him and do what he is doing. Do you see the difference? He's put us with him and we want to do what he's doing. We're not trying to do things so that we can be with him. Do you see the lion? So here's the question. Is there anything in my life right now? Holy Spirit, right? The, the psalmist David says, seek me, Lord. Tell me, is there anything wicked within me? The, the heart has the propensity to be deceitful above all things. Lord, you're giving me a new mind. You're giving me a new heart. I'm born again. But am I still flirty McFlirts a lot, Lord? Is there anything in me right now, Holy Spirit, that you want me to change? Is there something that you're doing that I'm not doing? Am I, am I still looking back at the world? Lord, is there something going on? Am I, am I still caught in that old way of thinking? Am I trying to drink the old wine when you've got new wine? Am I trying to do the old thing when you've got a new thing? Am I trying to justify to you that I've just always done it that way and everybody always knows? And the Lord's like, what are you doing? Like, when you were in the world, I understand why you thought that way, but you are a new creation, and you can see the kingdom. Look at the kingdom. Look at the king. Look at the lion. What am I doing? Is that, is that thing you're thinking, is that way that you're thinking, is it compatible with what you now see? That's the invitation. 
And, and, I, and I wanna say this, as, as I think I've already said it, but I, I wanna say it one more time. Some of us are trying to drag the spirit of the world and the doctrine of demons. The, 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 the ruler of this age has been judged by God. He is not the boss. The spirit of the world is different than the kingdom. And you and I can see the kingdom. We're not allowed, we're not thinking from the perspective of the world anymore. But some of us are trying to like superimpose them together and it won't work. So my question is, are we embracing the new? The new. You are a new creation. Are you trying to justify your old way of thinking or are you learning how Christ thinks? Are you trying to justify what the world and all the specialists say? Or are you taking the word of God and saying, Jesus, I'm a new creation. I don't know a lot about your kingdom yet, but I want to learn. So show me. How do you think about this? What do you do in this situation? I hear what the world's saying. They're saying it real loud. But I want to know, how do you want me to interpret this? Can you receive that? What is born of flesh is flesh. So what merely human views am I holding right now, Holy Spirit? God's taking everything from strength to strength and glory to glory. He's working all things to good. You guys know that? So in light of that, am I speaking from a place of anxiety and cynicism? Because that probably needs to change if that's the case. Do I believe what he's saying? Or do I believe something else? Here's the great exchange. I can just come into the light and learn from him. And John is inviting us to do just that. My invitation is this. Let's today and always embrace the new wine. Let's embrace the kingdom that's here. Let's let those old things go. I don't want to flirt with other ladies. I want to be with my wife. I don't want to flirt with the devil and the spirit of the world and all that darkness. I want to be with the lion of the tribe of Judah. I want to be with Jesus. I want to see the Father. I want to see heaven opened and angels descending. I want to see people saved and set free. I want, to, I want to be an encouragement when I come into the room. You see how that light's shining off my face? I want that people to see that, but it be Christ when I'm in the workplace. I want it to be, I want, I want people to be around me and go, there's honestly just something different about you. Like, yeah, your wife's going through some sickness and you got some unexpected bills and your shoulder hurts at night and you're lactose intolerant and you've lost some relationships and you've been disappointed, but here's the thing about you. You've got a peace. You've got some kind of light in you that is attractive, and it's not because you're getting a better deal in this world and being spared from trouble. No, it's in spite of it. You and I are going through the same things, but Joshua, there's something shining in you. There's something going on in you. There's something new about you. We're all getting old. You're getting younger. Are you with me? That's what we're going to do together. Amen? Stand up. Let's pray together. And of course, after I pray for you, if you want more ministry, and you do, 
because we want to bless you in your ministry. You guys are strategically placed in workplaces and families and interactions and school boards and, and government positions. And you're all over the place, strategically placed. And we need to make sure that you are fueled up, fired up, encouraged, filled with the Holy Spirit, blessed and prayed for so you can keep being the salt and light that you are, okay? So don't leave without getting prayer today. I'm going to do a general one, but some of you need topped off, so don't miss it because you're in a really important place, okay? Father, I want to thank you for sending Jesus. I want to thank you, Jesus, that you're the kind of God that turns water into wine at a wedding and moves up your schedule because we need you to move. You're the God that lets us lean on you and ask for help, and you do it. You're the God that cares deeply about the kingdom, Lord. You, you don't just, you're not just some pushover that doesn't have standards. You invite us to stand in reverence and awe of a holy God. And you are the God that makes all things new. You're the God that died and rose again and gave us the opportunity to become new. And today, Lord, I want to ask that each of us, Lord, if there's any old thinking, any old flirting that's going on in our lives, Holy Spirit, would you grant us to see it? Would you give us the power and conviction to quit it, to drop it, to kick it out of there, to hate it? Would you give us that grace, Lord? Because we want to do the new things with you in your beautiful kingdom. Holy Spirit, thank you for grace. Search us, Lord, because we'll, we want to break agreement with those things, and we want the new things in Jesus' name. And if you agree to that, then say amen. Amen. All right, the, the prayer team's coming up. Come get some prayer and let us top you off. God bless you. Have a great week.